Are you ready for the word? I said, are you ready for the word? So can we stand as we read the word together? And this morning, I want to preach on the thought, staying after I'm disappointed. Staying after I'm disappointed. Look to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, sometimes you just got to stay even when you don't want to. Staying after I'm disappointed. Mark chapter number 9, beginning with verse number 14. Hear the words of the Lord from St. Matthew chapter number 9, verse 14. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. And immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed, running to him and greeted him and asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of, then one of them from the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought, brought my son who was mute in spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, becomes rigid. So I spoke to him, spoke to the disciples, and yet they could not cast it out. Reminds me of the movie Exorcist. They couldn't cast it out, and he foamed at the mouth. You, have, you ever seen that? I accidentally saw it when I was seven years old, accidentally, and it freaked me out. Everybody say it freaked him out. So every time I read this scripture, I'm like, <laughs> oh, anyway. So verse number 19, and he answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed and foaming at the mouth. And so he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus answered to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now this is how most of us feel. Verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Verse 25, and when Jesus saw that the people had come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, death and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out and convulsed him greatly. He came out of him and he became like a dead man. And many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he came into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind does not come out, but by prayer and fasting. Pastor Brandon asked the blessing on the preaching of the word. As you're seated, I want to make mention, um, thank you, financial team, for your kind words to my birthday. Really, thank you so much. And thank you for these wonderful gifts and cards. I am certainly blessed to pastor one of the greatest churches in the area. 
And I say that with all sincerity. So thank you so much for all these gifts and cards. And thank you uh, for the last week, uh, the text messages, the birthday cards. I had people stop by the office. So thank you. You know, I get so overwhelmed sometimes that I don't even know what to say because it's actually overwhelming, the love that I have received. And so thank you so very much for all the text messages, Facebook messages, all your cards, those who've come to visit me this week. Thank you so very much, your gifts, and thank you so much, financial team. You're certainly awesome. We have a great financial team. We have such a great working spirit, and I appreciate your kind words to me. It blessed my heart. So thank you so much. I just get overwhelmed. I'm like... I don't deserve such kindness all the time and such words, but it really does mean a lot to me. So thank you so much. Uh, This morning, I want to speak on the thought, staying after you're disappointed. How many would ever say that you've been disappointed in life? Raise your hand. All right, the rest of you are lying. I said, how many has been disappointed in life? How many could say, I'm disappointed most of the time? (laughs) I mean, I think that we all can agree that most of us have been disappointed. Now, have you ever thought what disappointment really is? Disappointments is simply this, failed expectations. That's what disappointments are. Disappointments are failed expectations. You have a certain expectation of something, and someone or something didn't meet that expectation, so you're disappointed. That's what it means to be disappointed. You have failed expectations. Either someone has not met up to your expectations or didn't do what you thought is expected, and it makes you feel disappointed. And sometimes if disappointment is not checked, sometimes if disappointment is not, uh, 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 if you're not aware of it or you don't get a handle of it, most of the time, the disappointment will go to, to discouragement, and then the third level is depression. Now, I want to start with the first level. The first level is disappointment. The second level is discouragement. And the final level is depression, the three Ds. Those are the levels of disappointment. You have disappointment, you have, de- uh, you have discouragement, and then you have depression. And listen, if depression is simply this, depression is prolonged disappointment. That's what it is. Depression is prolonged disappointment. You see, we live in a society where people are hurting. We live in a society where people are broken. People are disappointed. People are discouraged, especially after the year that we just had. And people are groping for answers. They're looking for answers. And I believe that the church has to be a part of the solution instead of the problem. We have the answer. But I I don't think that sometimes we convey the answer appropriately sometimes. Appropriately. Sometimes we're horrible at explaining the answer. Sometimes we're not very good at uh, giving the answer. Sometimes we do it the wrong way. But in essence, the church of Jesus Christ really does have the solution to the problems of humanity. And one of the problems that we face is discouragement. We face disappointment. 
And then if that's not checked, it really does go to depression because depression is prolonged disappointments. And I believe that all of us could testify and all of us could say with the pastor this morning that we all have experienced either depression or discouragement or disappointment. We've all experienced that. I remember years ago me reading an article about people who take their life, people who come to, the, come to a place in their life where they, they don't think it's worth living any longer. And I was so intrigued, uh, and I, I actually even forget about who actually wrote the article, because when I read the article, I just thought that it was so profound, even though it was so simple, I thought it was so profound in its information. I remember the article said, number one, people who take their life, number one, feel worthless. They don't feel like they have any value. They don't feel like they contribute to anything. They feel worthless. Number two, they feel all alone. They don't feel like there's anybody in their life. And number three, they're not afraid to die. They're not afraid of eternity. And usually when somebody breaks those three barriers, then they will take their life. They feel worthless. They don't feel like they contribute with anything. They don't think they contribute to their family, society, or anyone. They feel worthless. They don't feel visible. They don't feel like they're seen. They feel worthless. Number two, they feel all alone. Even though there's people all around them, they still feel all alone. And number three, they get to the place where they're not even afraid to die. They're not afraid of eternity. And usually it's depression and discouragement and despondency that sets in. It takes a root in our life. And if we don't get a hold of it, it can affect us mentally and not only mentally, but it can affect us emotionally and also spiritually. Sometimes the church is very good at preaching the gospel, but we're not very good at talking about mental health issues. We're not very good at talking about uh, the, 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 the playground of the mind. We want to deal with the soul. We want to deal with the spirit, but we don't deal with the mind. Well, let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. The mind is a complex, complex thing. God gave you a mind. He gave you a mind to use it. We shouldn't waste it. We should use it for the glory of God. But you see, for many years when I was growing up in church, we were never taught that there was mental sickness. We, never, we, never, we, never, we were never told that people could get mentally sick. We just talked about spiritual sickness or physical sickness, but we never dealt with the mind. Well, let me tell you something. A lot of our problems is between the ears. It's in the mind. And if we don't get a hold of the mind, it can cause us some problems. How many would agree with the preacher tonight? It could, or this morning could cause you some problems. The problem is between the ears. A lot of the problems that we face is between the ears. It's in the mind. The mind is the playground. And that's what the devil does. The devil throws things at your mind over and over. Diablos, he throws things at your mind. And why does the enemy throw things at your mind? Because he wants his thoughts he wants what he is saying to make a penetration in your mind. And that is why the Bible says in Matthew 4 that when the enemy threw something at Jesus, if you are the Son of God, then command these stones to be made bread. Or if you are the Son of God, cast yourself down from the pinnacle of this temple. You see, the enemy was throwing at Jesus doubt, if you are the Son of God. He was throwing doubt at Jesus' mind. He was tired he was run down. He was fasting for 40 days. And have you ever noticed that the enemy, those negative thoughts always come at you at a greater intensity when your body is physically tired? 
Jesus was physically tired. He was fasting 40 days and 40 nights, and the enemy came and threw things at his mind. He threw things at his mind. And what did Jesus do? Jesus threw the word back at him. He threw scriptures from the book of Deuteronomy back at the enemy. The enemy knows the word. He knows it enough to twist it. And that's why it's important that we have a daily digestion of the word of God. It's important to know the word of God. And if you don't know the word of God, pick up the Bible and just begin to read it. Begin to quote on it. Begin to meditate upon it. Because it's important that you get it inside of you. Even though you may not read it, You can get your phone out and press the Bible out and listen to the Bible, but get the Bible inside of you. But Jesus began to throw the word back at the devil. He began to throw it back, and that's what you got to decide, that when you have those negative thoughts and negative tendencies, and when you have those thoughts that come to your mind that tells you you're no good and and you're never going to make it and you're worthless, listen, listen, it's between your ears. Whose report are you going to listen to? Whose voice are you going to listen to? Every day you've got all kinds of voices in your head. You've got your own voice, you've got the devil's voice, and and then you've got the expectations of everybody else. Wonder what they're thinking about. Wonder what they're saying. And our whole mind is full of tension. We're thinking one thing, and the enemy's throwing negative thoughts at us, and we're thinking about what other people are thinking. It's no wonder that sometimes we feel like we're going crazy because the problem is between the ears. And sometimes we get so discouraged, and we get despondent, and it leads to depression because we haven't learned to control what happens between our ears. Am I preaching up in this Pentecostal church this morning? Jesus died at a place called Golgotha, which is the place of the skull. It's interesting, he died at a place called the skull. The skull holds the mind. Jesus died at a place of the mind because he realizes the mind is the battleground of your life. And here is this man in Scripture. Can you you see the tension in this man's heart and mind? I believe you, Lord, but help my unbelief. Do you see the tension in the man's spirit? Do you see the tension in the man's mind? Lord, I believe you, but help my unbelief. How many would agree with the preacher that you felt that way before? I believe God, but yet there's a little bit of doubt, and yet there's a little bit of negativity, yet there's a little bit of pull this way. I want to serve God. I want to do what's right, but I feel pulled over here a little bit. Listen, you're in good company. We've all experienced it before. We've all experienced that tension. I believe God, but yet at the same time, I, I have unbelief, and I give kudos to this guy because this guy, this father was very honest. He was very honest. He said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I don't want to see my baby like this. Here is his son. Here is a father who has a son, and this son is tormented and vexed by evil spirits to the point that the son would throw himself into the fire or into the water to harm himself. And the father was helpless and hopeless to help his son because his son was grieved and vexed by evil spirits. And what does the father do? The father did what any other father would do. The father went to the disciples. Now, why would the father go to the disciples? 
Because the Father, I'm sure, had seen the disciples cast demonic spirits out before. So, the Father is thinking, if I take my Son to the disciples, they should be able to do what Jesus does. Jesus cast out devils. I've seen them cast out devils before. Certainly, this they are the disciples of the Lord. Certainly, they can cast the devil out of my child. And so this is what the Father does. The Father goes. He asks the disciples, can you cast this evil spirit out? And you, we, are, we see in the narrative that they could not. The man cried and said, he said, then one of them from the crowd, verse 17, answered and said, Teacher, I brought my son. He has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. And he foams at the mouth. He becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not cast it out. Now, how would you feel as a father? Here is your son, grievously vexed by demonic spirits, and you're thinking, I'm going to go to Jesus' disciples. I've seen Jesus cast devils out. Certainly, his disciples could cast them out. And you go to them to ask, to cast the spirit out, and they could not do it. Can you sense the man's discouragement? I mean, if I was disappointed, I mean, that, this, is a, this is a wonderful opportunity to be disappointed. I mean, here is the father disappointed, I'm sure. He is discouraged, I'm sure. And I'm sure this man is experiencing some mental torment. Lord, I believe you, but help my unbelief. Lord, I believe you can do it, but I'm confused at why your disciples can't cast them out. They're your disciples. They should do what you do. Y'all get me? It's kind of like modern-day Christians. I like to go to church and worship the Lord, but those Christians don't always act like Boy, I'm preaching real good up in here. Can somebody just give me a high five right there? The father is disappointed. Certainly the disciples should do what Jesus does. And I've been disappointed before. I've been disappointed in the church before. I've been disappointed that we call ourselves Christians. Sometimes we don't act like the Christ that we worship. I'm certainly you've been disappointed too. This man was disappointed that he went to the disciples and they couldn't do it. I'm sure this man was not only disappointed, but this man was discouraged. Let me tell you that disciples will fail you. Let me just make sure you understand something, that if you're coming to church waiting for everybody to meet your expectations, they will fail you because disciples will fail you. Christians will fail you. The church will fail you. They will not always meet up to your expectations. Can I say that again? The church will fail you. Disciples will fail you. Christians will fail you. Sometimes we will name the name of Jesus and we will not do what Jesus does. This man is discouraged 
because his little boy is vexed by demonic spirits. I mean, this is a chronic problem. How do I know it's a chronic problem? Because verse number 21, chapter 9, verse 21, Jesus said to the father, how long has this been happening to you, to your child? He says, from childhood. So this is not just a little problem that happened overnight. This is a chronic problem. Now, do you understand the background of this narrative? Here is a father who has a child, and this, most commentaries think he's almost a teenager, 10 to 12 years old. Here is this child, almost a teenager, who is vexed by demonic spirits, and the father has been dealing with this child since he, since he has been a little, little baby, since he's been a little child. He's been dealing with this. And here he goes with high expectations to the disciples. I mean, this father has high expectations. He goes to the disciples, and guess what? They couldn't cast it out. And I think we all have felt that way before. I think that we've all had high expectations of the church. We've had high expectations of people in our life, and they failed us. Because the first principle you've got to see in this story is disciples will fail you. The church will fail you. And I hate to say this. I hate to say it. But I will fail you. I try my best to live a godly life, live a pleasing and honoring life to God, but you might see some cracks in my character. I mean, if you get really close to me, you might find some cracks that you're like, ah, I think he needs to work on that. I'm sure, because I'm broken just like you are. And that's why disciples will fail you. That's why the church will fail you at times. That's why you will get disappointed and discouraged about the disciples. But I, I want you to, and I'm not going, I'm going to tell you something. And I'm, I, I try, I need to be really calm here. Because when I was reading this story, Brother Engel got really excited. So y'all with me? Now, I want to I share something with you about this whole story. So the first thing you see is disciples will fail you. Okay, that's the first thing you see. Now, park that in the parking lot, okay? Don't lose that thought. And I want to tell you this, that sometimes we miss the truth of what's happening in the narrative is because we don't see the whole context of what's going on. If you will notice something, I'm not sure if they can do this, but the same chapter that I just read, we started with verse 14 of the story. Well, the story before the boy was, the, the story before uh, the possession of this boy is the story of Mount Transfiguration. Now, in the story of Mount Transfiguration, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John to a mountain. When they get to the mountain, you know what happens. The glory of God shows up. The Father approves the Son. And the three disciples were like, let us just make some tents and let us just camp out here on the mountain. Now, I want you to see this. Matthew, Mark chapter 9 and verse number 2. Just look at this scripture. After six days, Jesus took him, Peter, James, and John, led them up to a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. So let's stop here. I don't have time to read the whole chapter. But let me just say this. Three disciples, Peter, James, and John, and Jesus is on the mountain. Now let me just put it in your language. They're having a camp meeting. 
They're having a shouting time. They're on the mountain. I mean, the glory of God is there. Am I right? I mean, I, I mean the power of God was so strong. Look at, look, at verse number, look at verse number three. I mean, the power of God. Jesus' clothes became radiant as white. And then verse number four says, And Elisha appeared to them with Moses and was talking with Jesus. I mean, they're really having revival. Jesus, Peter, James, and John is on the mountain, and they're talking to former saints of the ages. I mean, they're really in the glory. How many would raise your hand and say, that's a good time right there? Come on, how many would raise your hand? That's a good time. I mean, this is a wonderful time. Now, are y'all still with me? Now, get this. Jesus is on the mountain with how many disciples? Who are they? Okay. He's on the mountain. Verse number 14. Verse number 14. This is the same chapter. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and the scribes arguing with them or disputing with them. Verse 14. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed, running to him and greeted him. He asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? This is Jesus. Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought my son. So Jesus was on the mountain with three disciples, right? At the foot of the mountain, as Jesus is in the glory with three disciples, at the foot of the mountain, the nine disciples were there with a few religious leaders, and they were arguing Scripture. Now, that word is a strong word, but usually scribes and Pharisees would have discussion. And it was very common for them to argue Scripture. So, at the foot of the mountain, you have religious leaders talking the Scriptures, rehearsing the Scriptures. Nine disciples are there. You have nine disciples, you have religious leaders, they're talking the scriptures, and a father is in the crowd. He's hearing all this. He brings his son to the nine disciples and says, can you cast this evil spirit out of my son? And in the meantime, they couldn't do it. Jesus descends from the mountain with the other three disciples, and Jesus enters the conversation. And he says to the man, well, how long has this been happening? This father tells Jesus that your disciples can't cast them out. So that tells me this. There was already activity going on at the foot of the mountain. Nine disciples, because where was the other three? Peter, James, and John is on the mountain, right? The nine disciples at the foot of the mountain. Religious leaders are at the, and the father who had the son is at the, and they're all discussing and arguing the law. And the man is saying, I need my son to be free. The disciples couldn't cast it out. And then Jesus comes down from the mountain and enters into the conversation and says, well, how long has this been happening? And then he kind of rebukes them, doesn't he? Verse number 19, he rebukes the disciples. And he answered and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. 
You couldn't cast him out. Bring your son to me, and I'll cast it out. So why is this important? I'm going to tell you why this is important. Because not only, number one, will disciples fail you. The disciples failed the father. He, they did not meet his expectation. Jesus comes in the midst. And it's interesting to me. Now, this I'm going to throw this out. This is an applicable point, okay? This is just... This is the point I just want to throw out. Maybe this will minister to you. It's interesting to me that the father, listen, the father of the boy never left the crowd after the nine disciples couldn't cast it out. Get it? Why didn't the father leave? Because isn't that what we do in the modern day church? If we don't like something, we just leave? Well, I'm preaching real good. The father, because that's what we do. When our expectations are not met, we, come on, help me out. When our expectations are not met, we, when Christians don't act like Christians, we, when disciples fail you, you, the father never left Obviously, he stayed there long enough for Jesus to come down the mountain. He never left. Now, why is that important? Well, maybe. I'm about to shout here. What was the religious leaders doing at the foot of the mountain? Discussing the law, the Torah, the five books of Moses, which is called the Word of God. So... They're at the foot of the mountain discussing the law, talking about the word. Even though the man's expectation wasn't met, he still didn't leave the crowd. He still didn't leave the disciples. And do you know why I personally believe one interpretation, just something that we can apply to our life, is that the reason Maybe the reason why the father didn't leave, even though he was disappointed in the disciples, maybe the reason he didn't leave is because he stayed where the word was being discussed. And ladies and gentlemen, you can stay anywhere as long as the word is being discussed, even though you are disappointed. I'm about to shout. I wish somebody helped me out. You see, because... If the word of God is being preached, if the word of God is being discussed, if the word of God is a part of the community, even though I'm discouraged, even though I'm depressed, even though I want to give up, I'm going to stay in a community where the word of God is discussed. And that's what happens. We leave and we become discouraged with the disciples when they don't meet our expectation, when the Father teaches us today to stay in the crowd. As long as the Word of God's being talked about, stay in the crowd. Stay in the crowd. I mean, the Father should have left. He should have picked his boy up, walked out the door and said, some Christians, you all are. He should have looked at those disciples and said, I don't, I don't believe in the church any longer. 
you preach one thing and you do another. But the Father teaches us that you can stay even when you're disappointed as long as the word is being discussed at the foot of the mountain. You want to be a part of a church where the word of God is preached and that is the indicator that you can stay even when you're discouraged. You can stay. And isn't it interesting that Jesus came to the crowd where the word was being discussed. Oh, I'm sure they were hot, hot about the word. They were probably searching the scriptures about why this boy couldn't be free. I don't know what they were saying, but I do know they were religious leaders and the word of God was important to them. And right there at the foot of my mouth. Listen, can I tell you something in closing? How many, how many was on the mountain? Tell me how many was on the mountain. Three plus Jesus is what? And then they had some supernatural experiences. So, so you had three disciples. You had Jesus on the, dis, on the mountain. He comes down from the mountain and he enters the conversation. And this is the point I want you to see. Sometimes we get discouraged and disappointed because disciples and Christians don't meet our expectations. But let me remind you, not everybody is the same. There may be some disciples that will disappoint you, but there is at least three on the mountain that won't. You see, because, because this is the thing, we want to label everybody the same. One person hurt me, they're all dirty. Isn't that what we do? We stereotype everybody. They did this, so they all must be like this. Well, let me tell you something. Nine disciples probably has disappointed you. There's probably nine disciples that never met your expectation, that's probably talked about you and hurt you. You've probably had bad church experiences because of those nine disciples. But there are still at least three godly disciples that still know. Not everybody is the same. Not all disciples are alike. You see, what's the point? The point is this. Don't judge Jesus based on the weaknesses of his followers. Don't judge Jesus based on the weaknesses of his followers. Don't judge Jesus based on the weaknesses of his followers. Bring your boy to me. I believe, but help my unbelief. Why did he say that? Because he's disappointed with the disciples. I believe you, Jesus. But I thought your disciples looked like you. I thought your disciples did what you did. I'm disappointed. I don't know what to believe. You mean to tell me nine of them couldn't cast the devil out of my child? Nine of them? I believe you, Jesus, but I have unbelief. And that is the, that's the tension in the church. 
I believe God, I love God, but sometimes this church don't look like the church. I love Jesus, but sometimes his church don't look like the church. And what can we learn from this story? Well, disciples will fail your expectations. They will. But not all disciples are alike. Teaches us that you should stay even when you're discouraged. Stay in the crowd when you're despondent. You have a reason to leave. But there's also another reason, a greater reason to stay. Stay where the word of God is discussed. The word of God is preached. It also teaches us that you can't judge Jesus based on the weaknesses of his followers. I believe we had some good church today, don't you think so? Chris, would you come forward? Hallelujah. Would you stand across the building, please? And on the count of three, I want you to say, I want you to express your praise to Jesus and say, thank you, Jesus, you have never failed me. On the count of three, one, two, three, tell Jesus you have never failed me. Come on, put your hands together. You have never failed me, Jesus. Now we have five minutes and before we go, can I do something today? If you're able and you're willing, I want us to pray a prayer over all of us. the Lord will continue to strengthen us. Amen. 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 Now, before I do that, is there somebody here that say, Pastor, I've been so discouraged and you preached right to me today. I just need, I need you to pray with me before I go. I don't want to prolong the service because I know we've, we've experienced the Lord this morning, but I, I want to be sensitive And if you're here and you say, I've been discouraged and I just need you to pray with me before I go, quickly, would you come and stand? If you're watching online today, we hope that you've enjoyed the service and the word. We're so glad that you've watched us today. And wherever you're at, whether you're sitting in your living room or driving down the road in your car, we want you to know the Lord is present. The Lord is with you. And we are praying for you. And if you're watching online today and you're discouraged, I want you to know that God is Emmanuel the ever-present help in the time of trouble. He's with you. And right where you're at, if you're watching online, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, would you say, Jesus, I commit my life to you. I give my life to you, Jesus. Forgive me. I believe that you are the Son of God. Would you just pray a prayer? Accept Christ as your Savior. We want to walk with you on this journey. There's a connection card online. Just fill it out. We'll get back with you. If you're here today and you feel discouraged, let me pray with you. Would you quickly come? Chris, would you lead us in a song before we go? Amen.